And the ball is rolling. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode, episode 30, can you believe it, of the Blues Brothers podcast. The show that discusses all things football and of course Chelsea FC with questions, debates, discussions and deliberations for your viewing pleasure made by the fans for the fans. And Charlie, episode 30, delighted to have got this far and what a way to commemorate this episode with probably the performance of the season, I think we'd both agree, when we beat Liverpool at Anfield 1-0 to continue the unbeaten run and obviously we'll get on to the Everton match as well. But let's just go straight into that match against Liverpool because yes, they were on a poor run of form, but let's be fair, they are the champions and you were alluding to it before that we hadn't actually won at Anfield for a significant amount of time and our performances against the top six are poor. We've changed all that and that was the perfect performance. Yeah, look, first of all, mate, episode 30, you know, we just started this for a bit of fun. Didn't know how long we were going to do it for, but, you know, we're going strong and uh, it continues to grow. So obviously it's a nice little milestone for us there. In terms of the Liverpool game, yeah, mate, do you know what? Perfect away performance. I think couldn't fault a single thing. I, I, I would agree with you that it was our best performance of the season. Look, you know, let's not sort of big ourselves up too much. I mean, yeah, we need to celebrate the fact we did beat them, but we had a lot of things going in our favour and we would have been, I think, well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd have been bitterly disappointed if we hadn't won that game. You know, Liverpool have been like the Titanic makes sinking ship uh, in in recent weeks. Um, Everyone's going to Anfield and, and, and winning. I'm not really sure what's happened to them, but this was a game where, you know, all the, all the factors added up. No crowd at Anfield, Liverpool's poor form and us being on a good run. So, you know, we, we had to win. And, you know, I think with the lineup, I think we were both a little bit surprised that Giroud didn't start. But then I guess, like, we didn't really think about the tactics. You know, Liverpool play, play a high line using Werner's pace in behind. And that was the most effective weapon for us. We got in a few times behind. Um, and again, Timo was unlucky with the disallowed goal where he was penalised for offside because he's got arms, which was ridiculous. But um, I'm just glad that that didn't cost us the game. And then obviously Mason Mount pops up with a with a great goal. And from there, to be honest, mate, I know it was only 1-0, but it was one of the most comfortable 1-0s I think I've, I've ever watched. Um, they offered absolutely nothing going forward at all. They had one shot on target and that was in the... 85th minute so we, we were hardly tested at all I don't th- I can't remember Mendy having to make a save and it really was the perfect performance you know um the lineup as I mentioned a little bit surprised about Giroud but that was a that was a good call Chilwell maintaining his place I thought he did I thought he did quite well um and obviously Kovacic being rested Kante and Jorginho were very solid in the middle there and obviously Reese James coming in at uh at right wing back which I suspected I did uh, say that in the in the last episode, I thought defensive wise wouldn't fancy Hudson Odoi up against the Salah or Mane, even though they're not in the best of form. That probably defensively is a little bit too much for him. But yeah, mate, really happy with it. And you know, people say, oh yeah, but Liverpool were associates at the moment. So be it. But you still got to go there and do the business. And we went there and done the business. And I thought we were thoroughly impressive um, again. So that was a that was a real positive, mate. How, how did you see the game? I know you were you were tipped a nil-nil draw. I mean, you weren't far off. I think I went for a 1-1. So it wasn't, we weren't miles off in our predictions. But again, we're struggling on that front. But yeah, mate, how did, how did you see it? Obviously, great performance. 
Yeah, without question. It was the performance of the season. We were just at it from, from start to finish. And it's something that we've really struggled with this season in terms of we've been great in patches and in pockets. But in terms of a 90-minute performance, I thought we were spot on. You know, defensively looked very solid, made the right decisions, um, when to press, when to sit. Again, didn't create that many chances, but then what a, what a goal it was from Mason Mount. I mean, a complete solo effort, really, that cutting inside on, from that left onto his right foot and just bending into that bottom corner. It's great to see that he's finally now starting to net some goals as well. Um, and yeah, mate, I was just... I wasn't, you know, probably looking back at it, we shouldn't really be that surprised considering the form that's that's been and gone from Liverpool at home. I think they've now had five or six straight defeats at home, including that one to Fulham that happened last weekend. So we shouldn't really be surprised and probably should have given us... Chelsea a bit more credit in terms of going there and getting a result but I think it was just more of the fact of we haven't done well against the big six we haven't had apart from I think the League Cup win there when back when Hazard was with us I don't think we've beaten Liverpool at Anfield I can't remember the last time we beat them in the league at Anfield I think it was uh, it was that one where we had a, a cup final a few days a few days later and uh, we had that masterclass from Jose where we played basically a reserve team and I think Willian scored in the last minute and we beat them 2-0. I think that was the last time. I can't remember what year that was. Was that the one when, yeah, Willian and Torres just kind of burst through a 2v1? Yeah, they were that, just yeah that's the one. Yeah, that yeah that one. So we're talking a quite a long time ago. Um, you know, and I think as Chelsea fans, we consider our, ourselves to be right in the mix when we play the big six and expect a certain level home and away. Um, and we haven't had that of late. So look, we've got to give we've got to give credit to to us. And I, w- I wanted to ask you, Charlie, really about a continuing theme, not just the unbeaten, but the clean sheets, mate. I mean, we're going to move on to Everton shortly, but didn't just beat Liverpool and Everton, but we've continued this this clean sheet front. And I know you've got some statistics about Tuchel that you wanted to share as well. Yeah, mate. You know what? I mean, you know, eleven games he's been there. We're including. Um, Atletico Madrid we've got nine clean sheets in those 11 games you know we've got more clean sheets than the laundrette at the moment mate. We're, it's, it's, it's unbelievable stuff um, and only and only two goals conceded um, and what, what I find more impressive with this is the fact that we've done it without Thiago Silva who is probably our best defender um, and I don't know about you mate but I was a little bit worried when he went down with the hamstring injury at Spurs thinking are we going to struggle defensively now that we've not got our best defender but Fair play to Christensen. You know, we've both been highly critical of him at times, you know, saying he's not good enough for Chelsea. I still reserve judgment on him in that case in the, in, in the long run. But in recent weeks, mate, he's been outstanding. He really has. You know, he's really stepped up and sort of shown glimpses of the player that um, a lot of people thought he could be for us. So, yeah, I think that that's probably one of the most impressive things. And also, just on Tuchel, you know, it's five five clean sheets in his first five home games as as manager, Wolves, Burnley, Newcastle, Man United, and uh, there was another one that I can't remember. But um, but yeah, so I think he's the first manager in Premier League history to do that, five on the bounce at home. And yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know where this has come from because it's chalk and cheese compared to, you know, last season and the start of this with how many goals we we're letting in. And then suddenly... 
it's like they've remembered how to play football again and they can actually defend. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure how the turnarounds come. I mean, it's obviously going to be coaching, quality of coaching, coaching methods, etc. perhaps better communication. But maybe the players have kind of stepped up a level because they want to impress a new manager as well. Um, but I, I don't know, mate. What, what, what do you put it down to our, our sort of nine clean sheets in, in the 11 games that Tuchel's been there with only two conceded? Do you, can you put your finger on it? Well, from an outsider's point of view, I probably just think a lot of managers when they first come in just just bring it back to basics. They just they just strip all the the complications and just bring it back to the very fundamentals of football. You know, pass and move, easy option, keep it simple. Uh, whether that's what he's done, I don't know. I, I, it's it's a difficult one because I was going to ask you: Do you think this is still part of a manager bounce? Because of course we've seen this time and time again at Chelsea about you know new managers coming in. You know this included the likes. You know other than maybe the few um, anomalies with Scal- you know Scolari. Even if Scolari started quite well, but certainly VS Boerson maybe didn't had a patchy start. But is this part of a manager bounce? And and what what is this? this the limit for Chelsea in terms of the performances. I mean, are we seeing the very best of Tuchel's capabilities? And what, is this what is this what we're expecting going forward? This kind of one, maybe two goals max in a game, and making sure that we keep the clean sheets, but the football's not necessarily that exciting. Or do you think that this is just the foundations that Tuchel set in, and then next season he's going to try and vamp up the whole, you know, creativity aspect? I just wanted to get your opinion on that, really. Uh, I think it's a difficult one in terms of the new manager bounce. Of course, you all we we know you always get a, a bit of a bounce with a new manager, but it's kind of thinking. Well, where does this become? We're actually playing well, and when does the new manager kind of bounce stop? I, I'm I'm not sure we're still on a new manager bounce as such. I think the performances have been outstanding, and I think what is what will tell is how we react when we lose a game. Because we will lose a game at some point, um, whether that's against Leeds this weekend or whether that's you know going out of the Champions League or whatever it is, we will lose a game at some point. So I think it will be crucial to see how he rallies the players after a loss because we've not experienced that yet. But for me, I don't want to just put it down to new manager bounce. I think that does is, is disrespectful to what him and his coaching staff have done. I think they've come in and you can clearly see that Kind of this season, the expectation, I guess, when he came in, the remit was, you know, try and do as well as you can in the Cup, get as far as you can in the Champions League and just get us as high up the table as possible. And if we get top four, then then then, then great. And, you know, I think for us, he's made us really tough to beat um, in terms of building from the back solid defensive foundations. And that's something that we've not seen for a long time at Chelsea is being defensively solid. So I think... You know, he's probably sacrificed a bit of attacking flair and perhaps slightly more exciting football to make us more defensively solid so that we, you know, don't ship as many goals and don't lose as many matches. And I expect maybe next season, once he's had this half a season to, you know, learn about the players, their strengths, their weaknesses as, as such, then and he gets his own players in, then we might start to see him being a bit more expansive. But I think for this season, I think, you know, making it, making us tough to beat is definitely, is definitely the right way to go about things. Um, what I did want to ask you was, mate, have you, with obviously nine clean sheets in the 11, has your view on Mendy changed at all in terms of him being a 
being a being a good enough keeper for us. I mean, I, I, I do. I have to say, I think I maybe slightly changed my opinion. You know, the way he commands the box. I'm not saying that he's a top top keeper, but he's a you know he's a steady presence there. And I think his form, you know, is massively coincided with the amount of clean sheets we've kept as well. I think he's confident in the defenders in front of him, and I think the defenders have got confidence in him as well. I just wondered if you um, thought it was you've changed your opinion at all on him, mate, or, or do you still still not sure if he's the right option long term? Well, I think that's the thing about football, isn't it? It's all down to personal preference. So, in my opinion, I've still got a huge question mark over him. But that that is very very harsh to criticise someone who's had clean sheets and a and is a big part of those clean sheets, regardless of of how busy he is in games or not. I mean, he's a goalkeeper. His job is to keep out goals, and he's doing that. So. It'd be incredibly harsh to to fault him. I can't fault him at the moment, but there's just something about him that I personally don't like. Whether it's his, I just think sometimes he switches off. Um, and this was something Czech was very good at. He's very good at kind of staying in the game, reading the game when necessarily he's not being involved. Uh, whether that's commanding, you know, they've got the best view on the pitch, goalkeepers. And I think he, I don't think he communicates enough with his players. We've seen that with a few of the kind of 50 50 mistakes that he makes, whether he, comes or goes and his distribution of the ball is sometimes lacking. But listen, we still don't even know if he's really Tuchel's choice. I mean, the the thing with Tuchel coming in at this stage of the season is that he's just had to work with what he's got. You know, he hasn't had a window. So whether he's happy with the goalkeepers and is just literally picking the best out of the two for the time being, that remains to be seen. So that that's an interesting concept that we still don't know. He may, in the summer, decide that actually that was an area that he wanted to strengthen. We just got lucky with the clean sheets. Uh, because I think it's safe to say, I think everyone's a bit surprised at how many clean sheets we've got with, with the back five, if you include the goalkeeper that we have. I, I'm certainly surprised. And I think there will be an element that Tuchel's quite surprised that he's still unbeaten and the clean sheets that we've had so far I don't know if you agree with that but um you know we're, we're you know we're missing our best defender as well that that we think and now you're thinking well at his age is he is he getting back in straight away or does he need to earn his place again it'll be it'll be interesting mate I don't know if you if you agree with that as well yeah look, I think you know in like beforehand you would have said as soon as he's fit he's straight back in but but now you look at it and you think, well, it would be incredibly harsh to to drop one of Aspilicueta, Christensen or Rudiger, um, given their current form. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. I know he was on the bench against Everton. It'll be interesting to see if, if he comes in against Leeds or not. I think that's quite a big call to make there. Um, but what I will say is, like, even if he does make the call to bring him back in, you know, we've seen a couple of changes in personnel in that back three, and it doesn't seem to have affected the defensive unit. You know, Zuma came in against Everton, still we still kept a clean sheet. Christensen came in, Rudiger's stepped out for games occasionally. So I think it's one of those where, like, you'd like to see the continuity, but the players that do come in are playing their part and making a difference. So I mean, I'm not against him coming back in. I do think it would be a bit harsh, but I don't think it would affect us, our ability to keep clean sheets or not. Do you think he should come back in? I think Christian should keep his place, but I think I would like to see him alongside Christiansen. Um, listen, we've seen enough of Thiago Silva and his experience to know that he can only add quality to, to, the, to the back four. 
um, that other area with Zuma. I know he Zuma just recently picked up an injury, didn't he? We don't know the um, the state of that injury. It looked quite nasty, and uh, the way he kind of twisted the game. Though I think he's all right. Yeah, he did finish the game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much that's that's come on. Um, but I still think there's a question mark over that other position at the moment with, you know, does he prefer Zuma, does he prefer Rudiger or indeed Thiago Silva? So I think Christiansen's an, a nailed on position at the moment, mate. Um, I think he's been outstanding and should get credit, uh, you know, particularly in those big games. And we move on to another big game, mate, which continued the trend again, a, a win and a clean sheet. And we mentioned about changing personnel and he, and he shocked us again, didn't he, mate? Because... <laughs> Habits came out of nowhere um, and got the start. And once again, Tuchel kind of showed his uh, tactical experience because we saw probably the best performance from Kai Havertz this season as well. I mean, granted, it was given as an own goal, but he had such an influence on the game. Um, Another win, another clean sheet. So dive into that one for me, mate. Yeah, look, I think, mate, me and you were both surprised to see five changes from the Liverpool game. We do obviously know that Tuchel likes to rotate his squad. And given the results and the fact we're unbeaten, you can't question his rotation policy at all. I think he's got everything spot on with his team selections and stuff. I know we're a little bit surprised to see Mount rested. But again, you know, it's one of those where if you win, it doesn't get questioned. If you don't win, it's like, well, why is he on the bench sort of thing? But all those things seem to be going our our way at the moment. Um, Yeah, so five changes, which did surprise me, as I said. Um, yeah, that game, you know, mate, I thought it was one of those where Everton are in good form, particularly away from home. But I thought we played, it's, it's so easy to say our Everton were poor, but I don't think we allowed them to to play well. I thought, again, we, we were very good. Um, we didn't create that many chances. I remember, obviously, Alonso having a chance in the first half where he probably should have scored. But um, other than that, we didn't create too much. Um, and it was a it was a really nice move for the opening goal. Um, and, you know, I think we got a bit lucky with the deflection eventually going down as an own goal, but I think the way that move unfolded, we we deserved that little slice of luck. And on Kai Havertz, mate, you know, it was almost a coming of age for him. Obviously, you don't want to put too much pressure on him. You know, anyone can play well in a one-off game. It's whether we can consistently do that now. But I think similar, similar to Gareth Bale, he now just needs a run of games. You know, after that performance, Havertz just needs to play, you know, three, four, five games on the spin because there's nothing worse as a footballer, particularly for him, you know, who's, who's struggled, COVID, injuries, new country, etc. to have his best game and then next match be on the bench. I think it's about time he got a run and it's good to see that obviously we're going to be without Mount on, uh, on uh, for the second leg and if Havertz can step up and do a performance like that or similar to that, then I don't think we're going to miss Mount too much at all. But yeah, again, mate, he was he was pivotal to everything, you know, for the, the own goal, the uh, wins the penalty. And then he was, ba- I know me and you disagree on this, but he was bang unlucky to get a goal ruled out for, for handball. I thought it was was kind of top of the shoulder. Obviously, the VAR thought, thought differently, um, but he was denied a great goal. But yeah, I mean, positive signs for him. But again, let's not get too carried away because it is only one game. And he now needs to do it on a consistent basis. What, 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 mate, what did you think of, uh, of the Kai Havertz performance? Well, I said to you before the game, mate, I was really um, 
well, I, I really wanted to watch him, just watch him um, and have a focus on him in the game. And I wasn't disappointed. And it was just a complete polar opposite to what we've seen all season. He looked he looked up for it again, like pressing, looked so comfortable on the ball, um, you know, wanted the ball at every opportunity. Whereas before, in, in previous games, he's kind of almost been in his, in his shell and not won those 50-50s, been a bit um, inept physically. Uh, just, you know, his touch seemed a bit off, his passing seemed a bit off and just, I don't know what it was, but he just seemed like a, you know, someone that just wasn't living up to the expectations we'd serve. And we saw, we definitely saw a glimpse of that in the Everton game of, of the player that we wanted to sign and the player, why we bought him. Um, and it, it excites me because I think him and Werner in particular, if they just improve their levels by even 10, 15%, I think we get considerably more amount of chances and therefore more amount of goals. I mean, I said to you just before we came on, mate, that I think Werner can still be our 20 goals a season's man up top. I just think if you change some of those unlucky moments and those chances with a bit more confidence, he takes those and he could be right up there in the top goal scorers. This is similar with Habits. I think he can be a real quality number 10. Um, and offer a lot in terms of assists and goals, but just like you said, Nate needs needs those runs of games, but also just needs that that confidence. And maybe that maybe that new manager, that new approach. It's interesting how different different managers favour different players or have different ideas for different players. We've seen a huge improvement in some players that simply weren't performing under Frank Lampard, and we've seen some go the other way. In fairness, so. Um, like Christiansen wasn't great under Frank Lampard at all, but for some reason he's performing his levels. You know, I think the only question mark is is probably how long it's going to take him. But I think for for all three of the signings, including um, Hakim Ziyech, which I, I have been hugely critical of him of late, but I think it's a matter of when rather than if. Um, you know, you can never have certainties in football, of course. We don't know if they're all going to work out. Um, the the probability of all three working out is pretty slim, but I think if they have enough time, I think they can all come together. And if they did, I still think we have one of the most dangerous attacks um, in the league for sure, mate. Um, I, I do, sorry, mate, I do, I do just think though, like that with Timo Werner again against Everton, he just there was a couple of chances that he's got to be finishing one of those. He has to be. Like I know he's a bit low on confidence and stuff, but you can't just keep giving up chances. You know that's the sort of chance. If he's playing in Germany, that's a goal. And yeah, it's just frustrating to see him pass up chance after chance after chance. He does the hard work. He gets in the position, and then the bit that matters, he doesn't deliver. Now I know it's obviously it's better to have him getting in those positions and getting on the end of those chances rather than just not being rather than just being anonymous, but. I'm sort of a little bit concerned by the fact that, again, his finishing seems to be, which was very good at Leipzig, seems to be seems to have deserted him at the moment. So hopefully, you know, he can get a bit more confidence, work on his finishing on the training ground and, and hopefully bag a bag a, a, a sort of a few more goals um, in, in the run into the end of the season. That was the only little bit that I was a bit disappointed about was the fact that, again, he's let himself down with his poor finishing. Yeah. <sighs> There's, you know, there, I think this has been the thing all season. I think every single pre-match, mate, we say it's a big game for Werner. And 
I, I've just said it countless times. I think that the, what he's offering is, although it's not the finished article, it's enough for me. I think it's it's better for him to be creating the chances and to be in the positions than than not at all. I think it's far more worrying to to just. I, I've never really seen him go missing in games. I think there was a few under Frank Lampard where he was playing on the wing, um, where he did definitely go missing. But it's certainly under Tuchel, I've I've seen enough where he definitely influences games, uh, but probably doesn't get the credit just because he does. He's not the one who's sticking the ball in the back of the net. Um, oh yeah, you know, no, that he's game. Definitely, yeah, he's definitely improved. I think his all round player has definitely improved, and he does seem to be having a bit more influence on games for sure than he was under Lampard. But I just it's just that last little bit is just missing still at the moment, and hopefully, hopefully that can come. Yeah, mate, I 100% agree. And that win against Everton um, was our unbeaten run in our last 26 Premier League home games against Everton. We've won 15 and drawn 11. So only Tottenham... Yeah, uh, mate, it's such a, such a big contrast, our sort of our form at home to Everton compared to our form at Goodison, which is which is a tough place for us to go, mate. We don't, we don't tend to do very well there. Mate, I just wanted to quickly speak to you about a couple of players. Obviously, we know that... Uh, since Tuchel's come in, you know, some players are, are in favour again. Some players are playing really well. I just wondered what your thoughts were on, uh, first of all, Christian Pulisic. You know, under under Lampard, he was our best player, probably. Ever since that hamstring injury in the FA Cup final, he's not been himself at all. Like, he's hardly getting any minutes under Tuchel. He's getting drib- like little bits here and there. He's not affecting games. He looks like he's got no confidence. And I thought the final insult was, for a player of his quality, was the disrespect to bring him on in stoppage time against Everton. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sure what, what what's happened to Christian Pulisic, and I'm not sure like what can be done for him to for him to rediscover his form. I don't know, mate. What, what, mate, what do you think about Pulisic? Do you just think it's a case of he's just like the manager doesn't fancy him, or he's just got no confidence? He's out of form. I mean, I, I don't really know. I don't really know what the problem is. No, mate, I don't either. I think he's one of the huge mysteries of the season because we saw glimpses of it last season. And, you know, everyone that that spoke about Chris, uh, about Pulisic said that he is a hugely talented player. He's going to be a big player for a long time at Chelsea. Um, I didn't know much about him, in all honesty, before we signed him. But I really thought when Thomas Tuchel has obviously worked with him before came in, I thought that would be kind of reigniting the flame almost, you know, and him saying, right, you know, I know how this manager works. He's going to like me. Now, for whatever reason, he hasn't he hasn't been favoured. And it's even more worrying that when we do see him, he just, again, this whole confidence issue. Um, you know, I, I understand that players who get injuries for a long time, it does take them longer to kind of get back into the fold. I mean, we saw that in an extreme case with Luke Shaw at Manchester United. But I mean, he broke his leg compared to what Pulisic done with, I think it was a hamstring injury. So I, I'm really not sure. I'm, I'm really, what do you, can you pin it on anything, mate? I'm really not sure why he's not, it's not even like, he just doesn't do anything anymore. It's just well, a bit, it. it's a bit like, but this is it though, like it's not like it's not the fact that he's like never not done it because we know that he can perform at this level because we saw him at the back end of Lampard's first season in the league 
and in our run to the cup final and the cup final itself before the injury, that he can perform at this level and he can influence big games because he's done it. But for whatever reason, like the injuries have just seemed to have set him back and he just seems to have lost all his confidence, as I said. And you can't really see where it's going to come back from. You know, um, I look at him. Yeah, he's not featured much under Tuchel. But when he has featured, you know, I remember the game he started against Barnsley. He was shocking. I don't like to criticise players, so I couldn't do any better. But he was awful in that Barnsley game. And then, you know, he's come on for like little half hours here and there, not really doing anything. You've got to take your chance. When you're out of the team and you get an opportunity from the bench, you've got to do something to put a seed of doubt in the manager's head that you should be starting the next game instead of someone else. And I'm not sure if it's the system that doesn't suit him. For me, I've always seen him as a out-and-out winger. Whereas with this system, we're playing with kind of the one centre-forward and the two sort of inside tens, as Tuchel refers to it to, I don't, I'm not sure if the system really suits him. But, I mean, let, let's hope we can get something out of him because, you know, there's, there's a top player in there. But at the moment, it's, it's nowhere to be seen. And in the summer, you know, he, he, he might be one that looks to get moved on possibly. I mean, I'm, I'm not too sure. That might be a bit extreme. But it's, it, 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 I wouldn't rule it out at all. I think I think he needs more time. I think to be fair to him, he's had a bit of a because we bought him we bought him in advance, didn't we? So we knew I think yeah. six months before that he was coming to the bridge, right? So that does I don't think that helps because the hype gets all you know built up. Um, and then obviously he's had the change of manager so early on. In addition to the lockdown, so obviously we we finished the season, then they had to come back. So he hasn't really had a clear run. Um, in fairness to him, and and obviously he's had his injury problems as well. Now, um, you know you can make excuses for this. You know, at the end of the day, if you're if you're back from injury and you're con- you're you know considered fit, and you get on the pitch and the manager declares you as fit, then surely you can't bring the injuries as a concern. But I think it does take time to get up to pace, and I think he's a classic example of someone who we we know he's got the talents to be a good player for Chelsea. So I think we have to give him a little bit more time. I don't I don't want this bloody scenario where we let him go and then he turns into, you know, a Kevin De Bruyne or someone like that and we're like, oh God, we we again we've done it because we've have done it one too many times where we've maybe jumped the gun a bit too soon on players. Um, but I will say in fairness to that though, like there was nothing during Lukaku, De Bruyne or Salah's time at Stamford Bridge that indicated that they should be staying. They didn't do. They didn't offer anything to suggest they should stay, and they didn't offer anything to suggest that they were going to go on and become the players they've become. So I think like it's a little bit harsh to say like, "Oh, we made mistakes on them" because they didn't do anything to warrant staying at the football club. Because if you look how look how they were when they were playing for us, mate, can you can we honestly sit here and say that Salah was decent for Chelsea? Like he had opportunities, didn't really do it. No, no one was bothered when he left. The same with De Bruyne and, and and the same with Lukaku. So, yeah, you know, it's the risk you take with, with when you sign players that event that the you, players you sell will go on and end up being decent players elsewhere. But I don't, I don't think we've made mistakes. I just think it's it's not worked out for those players at at, at Chelsea. Well, it's funny you say that because you you big up Lukaku an awful lot recently, and now you're saying that he wasn't good enough at Chelsea. So, mate, um, well, 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 look, mate, mate, he wasn't he wasn't good enough at Chelsea. That, that's the whole reason he was sold. I think he, the move was too soon in his career, 
and he's gone elsewhere and and scored everywhere and and turned himself into a top player. I just think at the time he he, he wasn't good enough. Well, I don't think he was that great at United either, was he? Was he oh, that I, great? Thought, I thought I thought I thought he was good at United. Yeah. Well, fair enough then, mate. But yeah. Um. So you know, obviously that that win it, it, it extends the unbeaten run. Um. Huge, huge win, really, in the context of things. Considering Everton were also chasing for that, for that top spot. What, what chance do you give the the kind of outsiders who are a bit of the the unknown quantities when it gets to that final third of the season, that race for the post? Um, because traditionally, we do see that the the big clubs emerge. I mean, what are you know? West Ham have got a tough run in coming up. Um, I don't know what Everton's run ups like, but what are their chances of one of those making the top four? In your opinion? I think there's definitely a ch- I think there's definitely a chance for sure. I mean, this was a really important win because obviously Everton we were we were only a point ahead of Everton and they had a game in hand on us as well. So if we drawn and then they won their game in hand, then obviously they would have gone above us into that fourth spot. Now, obviously, if they win their game in hand, we're still a point ahead of them. So I thought that was a really important result. Um, in terms of, I think you always worry for these teams a little bit. Eventually, like the it, it will change, and one of them will will get the job done. But you know, when it gets to sort of the business end of the season, like the last ten games or so, you, know, you, you do tend to see teams that have been up there all season that haven't done it before, like teams like Leicester, West Ham, been up there pretty much most of the season. They do tend to just fall a tiny bit short. I mean, I, I do think Leicester will will hold on, um, but. In terms of West Ham and Everton, I think ultimately they'll probably just miss out just because they haven't got the experience of doing it. And I just don't think they've got the strength and depth in the squads to go and do it. So for me, Leicester will, will stay in. I've said that on a previous episode. But I just think West Ham and Everton will fall short and be Europa League. But the gaps, the gap is definitely closing and the, and the league is so much more competitive, you know, for those top four spots. I mean, what, mate, do you realistically think that Everton or West Ham will come top four? No, I, I can't see it, mate, just because I think um, West Ham's running, I know, is very, very difficult in their next five, six games. Um, I think it was mentioned on, on TalkSport on the radio and it, it yeah, I, I just can't see them managing to pull that, that run together. Um, similarly with Everton, I think that was a huge knock and again, a reason why probably when it comes down to those sorts of games, at the stage of the season that we're at, there's a reason why the the same teams finish in those top four positions. I mean, you know, you get the odd one that maybe breaks through now and again every every other season, but I just I just can't see it. I, w- I wouldn't even be surprised if um, Leicester dropped out as the third, and maybe you got you got Tottenham in there possibly, but um, because they seem to be on a roll at the moment, but. I think it will probably stay as it is now with the, with those top four. Whether they, I'm sure there'll still be some jumbling around. So you know, maybe United drop down one, Leicester go down one, Chelsea go up one, or whatever. But I think that is that is going to be the four now. Um, and I actually, I can't really see. Um, I mean, we're going to move on to Liverpool very shortly. I mean, they could they could go even further down. But yeah, I think I think that's the four now, mate. Do, do you agree with that? That's the four. Mm. I mean, I'd like to, for our sake, say yes, but I do think it will go down to the last game of the season in terms of yeah. race for the top four. Um, 
Yeah, I tend to agree with you, mate. I do think, I don't think it will be the same positions that it's currently in. I think there might be a little bit of swapping about, but I think ultimately the top four as it is now, it will probably be those four teams. And if one team were to miss out, I, I would expect maybe a West Ham or an Everton might sneak in or maybe, maybe even Spurs, but it, it's, it's, it's so hard to call. But yeah, um, if, I, if you're pushing me now, mate, I'd say that, yeah, ultimately I think it'll be those four teams that, that are there now. Yeah, so just a quick uh, recap for anyone who hasn't seen the table, I'm sure you have at this point. Um, Manchester City, despite their defeat to Manchester United, they still sit obviously top, nine points clear. Manchester United in second, Leicester getting that win, that late winner against Brighton, they still stay in third. Same amount of games played, but Chelsea obviously that crucial win um, against Liverpool and Everton sit and make up the top four with 50 points. West Ham do have that game in hand though, however, which would put them above us by a point. Um, but I'm not sure who that game in hand is against, but they did beat Leeds a few nights ago. Um, and then Everton sixth, Tottenham seventh. And now we're going to move on to eighth position, which is Liverpool. Charlie, this could almost be a, a dissertation. You could almost do an educational um, paper on this with a title. Mate, I kind of wish, wish I'd done my degree on this. I might have, I might have done a bit better. <laughs> well, here's your chance for your master's, mate. What is wrong with Liverpool? Discuss. Uh, honestly, mate, I don't know where to start. I'll keep it fairly brief so that we're not here for bloody hours. But like, um, for me, mate, I just think I I go back to I liken it a little bit to the Chelsea situation with Lampard, where the fact is that there seems to be a reluctance from Klopp, and it's very hard. I don't want to. I'm not critic. Well, I am criticizing Klopp, but like not in a in a bad way as such. It's just that. They seem like it's not working what he's doing at the moment. So why not just change it up, do a different formation? All he's doing is just going 4-3-3 every week, like we've seen this season with us. It's not working. Nothing was he needs to change the system for me. There's something something needs to change because at the moment, you just know Liverpool Liverpool are a soft touch. Um I think teams have worked out how to play against them. They I think Tactically, they're getting it wrong. It's fine to play a high line when you've got Van Dijk and Gomez with pace to to sort of to deal with it. But when you've got your makeshift centre halves, all those centre halves they're playing at the moment that haven't really got the pace or the positional play, it's so easy to play against. All you do is put a ball in over the top. We've seen it countless times. You know, City tore them apart. Um, we went there comfortably beat. I know it was only one 0 but we were in control for the whole game. Everton the same. And also Fulham, most recently. You know, the amount of times they were getting in behind Lookman uh, most of that game, ball over the top, and he's in. And it's causing them all sorts of problems. Um, and I think it's important that we don't hide behind, oh, oh, oh it's only happening because Van Dyke's missing. It's not happening because Van Dyke's missing. It's happening because the team can't score any goals. Liverpool aren't at, I mean, bar the City match where they shipped four, they're not actually letting that many goals in. They're losing these games at Anfield all 1-0 apart from the Everton one, which was 2-0. So, for some reason, this front three, which was scoring so many goals, are now scoring no goals. And what you're effectively seeing is the, that what we kind of knew is that if Salah or Mane doesn't play well or doesn't score, Liverpool don't score any goals. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing. And I think Klopp's getting it wrong by not changing the system. Um 
And as I said a, a few episodes back, like, I just think it's the end of the cycle for this group of players. Um, and they, they need to completely freshen it up again. They need he needs to rebuild it. Like he like he built that side when he first came in. I think it's going to require an equally as big rebuild. I think a lot of players need to be sold. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if I mean if it was me, I'd be getting rid of at least one of that front three out of Salah, Mane, and Firmino. I think Firmino's got to go. Um, a centre forward that scores no goals is is, is an interesting one. Um, but yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just, that's just a few points, mate. I just think his main sort of summary, mate, is I just think he's getting nothing out of the players at the moment. They almost look run into the ground, and I think they just need to change the system. Um, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, mate, on, on, on where it's all going wrong, because at the moment, nothing's going right. Well, mate, you know my thoughts on this, and I, I've got the complete polar opposite view, and I, I actually get quite fed up or and wound up by people who are, who are criticising Liverpool that heavily at the moment. Look. You know, you I think people just have to... six. If it's six yeah, well, losses in a row, Anfield. I'm, I'm going to defend it right now, mate. Because, uh, like you say, every every master's um, assignment or paper needs a, a for and against, as you well know. So uh, I'm going to discuss <laughs> mine. Um, it, I think people with uh, in football are just so quick to judge, and I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, the the, the very fact that people even are suggesting that Klopp. Klopp needs to go and that, you know... Oh, no, that's, been... Yeah, yeah, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah, and that, you know, Gerard should be taken over and, you know, he's at, you know, even, I think even... But even people like Paul Merson may have said that Klopp's out of his depth. Like, he's 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 inept. He's, he's you know, he's being foolish to think that, um, you know, tactically that he, like you said, mate, is not able to change it. I just think it's it's just bollocks. I think... But I, but, but I do think you, you, there is... I do think there is a point to that, though, that what he's doing at the moment is clearly not working. So why does he keep repeating it? It's not working. So just do something, try something different. Well, yeah, but you triggered a, you triggered a good point in the, in, the say, in the sense that, yes, I would probably agree that they're burnt out, but quite rightly so they're burnt out. I mean, they've won every competition possible in the last three years. You know, they've had, well, like I mean, everyone's had to do. Champions League, yeah, no domestic cups. All right, but they've won. They won the World Club yeah, Championship. Yeah, they yeah, won the yeah they've Cup. won. They've won the big ones. Yeah, yeah, and you know they've they've hit records as they've as they've gone as well. They've kept up with, as we already said on the last episode, the the, the best city side, possibly one of the best footballing sides we've ever seen, um, and challenged them. You know, in any other season, you know, in that that season that they lost it, they would have won because they had over a hundred points or whatever it was. Um, and I just think it's it's laughable. I mean, no other side would be able to cope with losing a player who. Okay, it's not it's not about the one player. It's not about missing a centre half. It's about missing that player who has that amount of influence on that team. That's yeah, but the thing. are you telling are you telling me that Liverpool without Van Dijk shouldn't be able to beat Brighton, Burnley, and Fulham at Anfield? Well, I wasn't surprised by the Fulham result. If you look at the lineup, I mean, they had two. Kind of, they had two novice centre halves playing together. Um, they yeah, played but James Milner. Yeah, yeah, but you can't tell me that that team that they put out was not good enough to beat Fulham. Fulham, uh, like, are in a relegation zone. That 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 well, team is certainly, that team was more than good enough to win. Yeah, but football, you know, Fulham are on a good run at the moment, and any, as we've said before, anyone can beat anyone in this league. And particularly, I think another casing point is this: this season alone is 
is different to any other Premier League season we've seen because of the situation that the world is in at the moment. It is just a fact. Like you can't get away from it. Manchester United would not be in second place if with 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 a normal season. They just wouldn't. Uh, and I think the same for those teams who have done better. I also think those teams who have done worse. I don't think Liverpool would be in this position if they didn't have as many injuries and all the demands. I mean, they've had the highest fixture demand of anyone in terms of the last couple of years because because of their success, because they've been playing in every competition. You know, having to go away, where was it? They had to go to South America to play. They oh, literally Qatar. had to... Yeah, they went to Qatar, yeah. Yeah, so they had to play, they literally had to decide and play two sides that played on the same night, basically, in two different competitions. I mean, it's just, it's laughable. Um, and I just, I'm I'm sticking up for them, mate, because I just think that, well, yes, no, I, okay. No, but I, 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 yeah, I, I think it's like, it's wrong to, I'm not saying that he needs to be, that he should be sacked or replaced, definitely not. But what I am saying is that, questions should be asked about him and criticism should be levelled at his door because at Liverpool Football Club, they've never lost five games in a row at home in their entire history of Liverpool. It's now six. Yeah, and you can't see where they're, you can't see where they're getting a win from. So do you want you can't honestly tell me, mate, that you think that the manager should take no responsibility for this. No, of course he of course he takes responsibility for it, but for you to say that um questions should be asked of him I mean what does that even well, mean yeah, how you, can you, well, well, you, you should question, question him in terms of well you should question him in terms of like his tactics and why he's not switching it up because but he's, for been, me, he's been spot on for three years and it's been six yeah, games but, like surely like yeah but it's not just for six games though like this whole this like since the turn of the new year they've been miles off it mate I guess they've picked up a few wins here and there they've been shocking and yeah but they were top us. But yeah, top in December. But what I'm saying is, since the turn of the new year, they've been awful. Like they but really, they really like, have. That can happen to anyone. I mean, it, look yeah, at, but it can. But what I'm saying is, you, you shouldn't. Yeah, but you shouldn't expect it. Like I, I do think that you have to. It doesn't matter how well a manager's done. Like you're only as good as your last game. And you know, yes, what he's done will buy him more time. I'm not questioning his future at all by any by any stretch. But I do think he has got questions to answer about this poor run of form and what he's going to do about it. Because at the moment, whatever he's doing is not working. Well, I think they've just, I think he's almost uh, conceded um, the, the rest of the season. It, it certainly feels that way. Um, well, I think it's just going to have knock on effects, though, because can you, they need to spend big in the summer. Could you imagine if they didn't get in a top, they didn't get in the Champions League this year? Like what that's going to well, do for yeah. their summer recruitment? So it's not just that, that, that we'll, we'll, it's not just like we'll write this season off. Like if you don't come in a top four, that affects you going into next season as well. In terms of the players you can bring in, and in terms of oh, some players think actually, you know, I don't want to be here because we're not playing Champions League. So it has knock on effects. Yeah, no, mate, I completely agree with that comment. I think they they've almost I think they were probably naive to think that when they had a couple of defeats that the rot would stop, but it hasn't. It's just continued, mm. um, and they've put themselves in a real hole now in terms of. You know, top four now looks very, very unlikely um, unless they have, you know, they've got... Unless, or unless they uh, win it. Well, they've got 10 games left, so they need to realistic, you know, that well, whatever happens, they're going to have to rely on other teams to, to, to yeah. drop form. Or, you know. or, they could, or they could try and win the Champions League again. Well, that's the thing. And, you know, if they go far in that, then what does everyone say about the season then? That That's the thing that I'd say. Yeah, um, yeah of course. Like, if they win the Champions League and they get in, then then that's all forgotten about, of course. But 
yeah, I, look, man, I don't think... I, what I will it say just, is, like, obviously, City had a down, a down season last year, but they still came second. Like, the, the, this is the difference between, like, Liverpool and City in terms of squad depth and having a down season is the fact that City can come runners-up in an off year and Liverpool might are likely to not even make the top four. So I think you've got to look at it in terms of, yes, the recruitment's been good, but actually the squad, the recruitment for the squad has been poor. But it just it just winds me up that, you know, um, teams like Arsenal, who sit 10th, you know, apparently Arteta's doing a great job. Mourinho oh, doesn't no, really get... Arteta's not doing a good job, in my opinion. Everyone, everyone bigs up Leeds playing great football, but they're in eleventh. Um, you know, no, yeah, Jose Mourinho. Leeds Rini- are going to be in the top four, are they? Well, yeah, but everyone says they're a great side, so why shouldn't they be higher up? Well, I mean, they play good, they play nice football, but yeah, no, no, no. I, I, well, no, they, I do get your point. But nice, I just don't think nice they should be. But I don't think they should be. Uh, Liverpool should be exempt from criticism because at the moment, whatever's happening is. Like, I think basically the frailties are being exposed over the fact that. If they haven't got, if they have one or two injuries to someone in the first eleven, they're fucked basically, and and you can tell that the squad's not good enough at all, and that needs to be addressed because injuries do happen and they'll happen again, and the squad needs to be. I think the squad's good invested in. I think I'm telling you, man. I think the squad's really poor. City have got a better squad, obviously. We've got a better squad. Um, I think. Uh, United have probably got a better squad than Liverpool as well. Liverpool haven't e- aren't even in the top three or four squads in the league. Maybe not squads, but a fully fit first eleven Liverpool side against. Yeah, but you can't rely on just the first eleven. It's a squad no, no, game. True, and true. I think they've been. I, just, I think they've just. I think it's just one season too far for them, and they've been found out for a complete lack of squad depth. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't dis. I can't disagree with that to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, no, mate. I I enjoyed that. We could go on it. We could go on for hours. But yeah, let's uh, mate, let's yeah. move on. So, uh, well, I was going to move on to the Champions League roundup. If oh, that's you just, what mate, you, you just want to quickly, yeah, a couple minutes, mate. Just quickly touch on that, and then we'll get on to the questions. Yep. So obviously, um, well, I got, um, I got. I'll just yeah, share mate. This do you want to explain explain what's happened? Right. So I switch on my screen, ready to start the podcast. Um, thought I was in an Italian press conference, but it was actually Charlie just dressed in his Juve strip, um, just rubbing the salt in the wound that I'd predicted that Juventus were going to win the Champions League this season. Um, so, yeah, really, really, really authentic joke there, mate. No, mate, I'm just Glad. showing that I've got the solidarity behind you, man. I'm with you in these tough times as, as another one of your predictions goes flat on its arse. <laughs> glad, yeah, glad you made yourself laugh. You won't be selling the O2 out anytime soon, though, mate. So, um, no, I don't think so, mate, no. <laughs> um, but it did make a couple. And, uh, yeah, I'll have to hold my hands up and say that um, Juventus let me down last night. Uh, for anyone who watched the game, I think... It's fair. Well, Charlie and I both touched on it from a, just a level playing field that over the two legs probably weren't, well, they weren't good enough. Simple as that. But um, yeah, mate, any any thoughts on that? I mean, Porto defending man, magnificently. Um, oh, mate, I'll tell you what, Pepe was, looked, um, was unbelievable, mate. He's 38 now and that's probably one of the best I've seen him ever play. He was outstanding last night, I, I have to say. Um, and yeah, as you say, mate, I think yeah, look, you could look if you looked at that game in isolation, you'd say Juve are a bit unlucky, you know, 
hitting the crossbar right at the end, obviously disallowed goal for offside. I mean, that's not unlucky. You're, if you're offside, you're offside. But, you know, in another day, that crossbar goes in or, and, and whatnot. But over two legs, you're, you're, from, in my opinion, you're, you're not unlucky. And they played for so long. I think they played like 40-odd minutes against 10 men in the 90, and then another half an hour against 10 men as well. And they still couldn't get the job done. I'm not really sure what what's going on there because like that's now three years in a row they've gone out in the last ever since Ronaldo's gone there they've gone out in the last 16 you know Ajax Leon and now Porto so this isn't a one-off this is obviously an issue for Juventus and the Champions League that they that they just don't seem to be don't seem to be up up to scratch in, in that. I think I liken the Juve job to PSG a little bit. Nine times out of ten, they'll win the, the, the Serie A. I mean, obviously, they're probably not going to win it this year. And they tend to always do well in the Italian Cup. So realistically, you're judging it on the Champions League. And they've failed again. Now, I'm not calling for managers to be sacked, but Sarri won the league last season. I mean, I don't think I'd be sticking up for Maurizio Sarri. But what I'm saying is he won the league last season. And he got knocked out in the last 16 and he was sacked. So if you're using the same judgment for Perlo, he could end up with no trophies and that early doors exit. So you would think he'd be lucky to keep his job if, if, they, if they're still operating like, like they normally do. But I just think with Juventus, I just think it's got to the point now where they just seem to be over-reliant on Ronaldo. Like if Ronaldo doesn't, has an off game, which he will, he's only human... I think they just rely on him to do something. They'll think, oh, you know, we'll be all right because Ronaldo will do something. But he's getting on a bit now. He's still unbelievable. But you can't rely on him to just bail you out every year. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you, man. I, I honestly still can't believe what happened last night. The very fact that, you know, as soon as the red card came, I, I honestly thought it's going to be just, you know, how many are they going to get? Because I couldn't see Porto managing to cope for that long with, you know, with the players that Juventus have got. And I thought, certainly this year, I thought they'd have even more an incentive to do it because of the fact that they're not going to win the league. So they probably have more hunger to go for the Champions League and what happened last year in the Champions League. And I think I probably just got caught up in all the, you know, the big what ifs. I really thought Ronaldo could really stamp his authority on not officially being the greatest of all time by then going to Juventus and winning the Champions League as well. That would probably just put the cherry on the cake. Um, but yeah, mate, for whatever reason, they've just, you know, it wasn't, like we said, mate, it's not even the fact that, you know, they turned it around, they got from 1-0 to 2-1, um, but then they also, they just, they conceded again, even when they were playing against the 10 men, to then go yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, it was it was disgraceful in the wall. You can't turn your back in the wall. I mean, yeah, that, that was poor. But yeah, over the two legs, mate, they, 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 ultimately, they just weren't good enough. And anything, anything on Dortmund severe, mate? Obviously, Dortmund just squeezing through, but it was a bit of a nervy affair. Um, what bit are their chances? Uh, well, mate, as long as, when you've got Haaland in the team, you're, you've got goals. So I think it just depends on what the, and how. I don't think they're that great defensively, but going forward with players like Jadon Sancho, Haaland, Marco Royce, exciting young players like Giovanni Reiner and stuff, they're, they're, they'll, they'll be dangerous. But I don't, I, I don't see them going. Much further than than uh, than the next round, if I'm totally honest. But what's a player Erling Haaland is, by the way, youngest player to get to 20 Champions League goals. Um, he's done it in 14 appearances, all at 20 years of age. He's, he's probably going to go on to be one of the best players in the world in in, in years to come. I, I would have thought. Yeah, I'd agree with that, mate. And your any 
any repercussions of uh, PSG Barca tonight? Any repeat of the classic that we had? No, I, I, no, I, I, I can't see that happening, mate. Um, I think PSG are a much better side now than they were then. I think Pochettino probably has got will be tuned in, game management, etc. I mean, I'll, I mean, I'm not saying a Barcelona won't win tonight. They, they, they're more than capable of winning, but. In fact, they're 4-1 down. They'd have to score four goals without PSG scoring to go through. And I just think like that's very unlikely uh, currently. Yeah, fair play, mate. So uh, episode 30, let's let's crack on with the questions. I know we've got a few sizzlers that are going to make sure we've got the boxing gloves yeah. off. Yeah, there's a couple, mate. So first one, I mean, we've just been talking about him, but do you think we're seeing a changing of the guard with... Um, with Haaland and Mbappe. Do you think those are the two that are going to take over from Ronaldo and Messi? I mean, they're, they're, they're definitely the, the leading ones, aren't they? Uh, I think it's going to be very hard for anyone to overtake what Ronaldo and Messi have done. I don't think we'll probably see it again in our lifetime, the the, the stats and the goals that, that, that they've had. Um, because, you know, people even mention from generations before us, the likes of Diego Maradona and, and Pele, but, even they, I don't think, were the same level as what Ronaldo and Messi are. I mean, I can't obviously can't comment that much because I wasn't alive to see those players. But I think football's changed a lot and the demands are a lot higher um, and the quality of football has just gone up. So I can't. They're definitely in the, in the conversation. But it's, it's I almost compare it to tennis in a way. I mean, even now, it's still the same players that win the slams and that whole like next gen just don't seem to to push on um, and I'm st- I'm still think that until I see Haaland at maybe a top Premier League club get the same numbers or Mbappe do it the same um, you know like win the Champions League or something like that I can't really say that they, they're going to match Ronaldo and Messi No, no yeah I mean look, they're still Ronaldo and Messi are still doing unbelievably well at their age as well but you know if you're looking at the next sort of two as such to be kind of world stars of football after them then I think the next two in line are Haaland and Mbappe. And I think they will win. They'll be battling it out for the Ballon d'Or. They'll, score, they'll be scoring loads of goals. And they'll be winning the biggest trophies in the game in years to come. I can't really see anyone else that's going to sort of emerge to kind of challenge those two. I think they are kind of the next two global stars of football. Um, we've kind of already addressed this one, mate. Are Juventus too reliant on Ronaldo? It certainly appears that way, doesn't it? Because I think when they are up against it, they just expect him to do something. Um, and credit to Ronaldo. I mean, he does he does take the game by the scruff of the neck, tries to kind of just look for the ball, run with it, create anything. Uh, but last night, for example, they all they were trying to do is just shift it to Quadrado to get a ball into the box and just hope that Ronaldo would, would get on the end of it. And he, he showed, you know, he had an off night and they, they struggled. So I think they are, and I think it's dangerous to be too reliant on a player that's kind of winding down in his career now. I don't think we can expect the same levels. Of course, he can still he can still do that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if last night he ended up scoring four or five goals. But in the same token, he's he's not getting any younger. And I don't think they can, going forward, think that he's just going to get them out of trouble. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree, mate. Look, I think... When you have such a superstar player in your team, it's great because he will bail you out on many occasions. But I think it brings the other players into a false sense of security that if they're not quite on it, oh, it's all right because Ronaldo will just bail us out. But 
that's not going to keep happening, as I said before. So, yeah, I think they probably are a bit reliant on him in, in, in that one. Um, mate, moving on to, obviously, breaking news in the last couple of days. The next Germany manager, do you... Do you think there's any chance that Klopp will become the next manager of Germany? Definitely a chance. I think even more so in the recent weeks where Liverpool have been struggling. I mean, he. Uh, my stance on this is he's got nothing to prove at Liverpool. He's, he's he's won everything that he needs to win there, and I think Germany's a really attractive proposition at the moment with the quality of players that they have in that squad and. Um. You know they've some they've somewhat underachieved in recent years. I know they won. Um, when did they win the World Cup? Didn't they win the World Cup? Two thousand uh, two thousand fourteen in Brazil. Yeah, so I mean it's been quite a time, um, and you know I think they they've somewhat they somewhat need to achieve more with the squad that they've got. And I think Klopp, you know, imagine I mean if Klopp could get Germany performing what Liverpool did do in those in these last couple of years, I mean, it would be frightening. I think they would dominate like Spain did for some time because I think I don't see anyone close to them other than France currently. I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, Belgium are probably the other ones. Mm. Well, mate, just to push you on it for an answer, do you think he'll be the next one? Like, do you think he'll leave Liverpool at the end of the season to manage Germany? Or you think probably not? No, I don't think, I don't think just at the moment, no. No, fair. Yeah, no, mate, I, I, I agree. I think it's a job that he'll definitely want to have in the future. Um, I'm not, I mean, if I was pushed for an answer, I would say no. But what I will say is I wouldn't be surprised if come the end of the season that he perhaps did leave Liverpool. As you said, mate, he's got nothing else to prove. He's kind of won everything there. Um, I mean, obviously not the League Cup or the FA Cup, but he's won all the big things. And he might just, it's been very intense, you can tell. Um, obviously, the death of his mother probably hasn't helped him either obviously not been able to go back to Germany for the funeral etc he might just want a bit of a break from the rigors of football and an international job is a little bit more part-time as such and it and it, and it might suit him but yeah I, I'd say no but I wouldn't be surprised if he did leave Liverpool at the end of the season anyway um what are your thoughts on the resurgence of Gareth Bale in recent weeks I'm not going to hyped but yeah, we, we we share this opinion, don't we? Because um, there was a lot of hype in coming in, and I think people forgot that they were just expecting him to just come back and light up the Premier League like he did the first time round. But he hadn't been playing football for however long it was, and we saw that. I mean, there was just evidence that he was just completely off the mark. Yeah, his performance has been better recently, and, and Tottenham have seemed to have you know climbed a little bit and gained some momentum, but. Um, they've got some. They've got some good players in wide areas. You know, you have got your your bird vines. You got your songs, Lucas Moore. I mean, some serious players there. And I still think he's not, uh, a, you know, a pinup or a first choice in those positions. Uh, so there's still question marks for me about him. So I, I like the fact that he's playing well in the Premier League. Of course, we we all want to see it. We want to see great players perform well in the Premier League. But I think it's just been well overhyped. I mean, this is we're talking about a couple of games here that he's played well. Yeah, no, look, it's, look, I, I I agree. Look, he, you know, when he first came in, he wasn't fit, and rightly so, he was he wasn't playing much. But you know, he's got himself fit now, and he's performed well with the chance he's been given, and he's got a bit of a run in the side, and he's scoring goals again. So from that perspective, it's nice to see Gareth Bale. You know doing doing well again but yeah it's only sort of two three games so you know we need to kind of keep our feet on the ground with that one but yeah no he's definitely improved in recent weeks for sure 
Um, interesting one, this. Should away goals and extra time be scrapped in the Champions League? Uh, um, I've got I a think bit extra of a... time. I think extra time needs to go. I've always liked golden goal, but I don't know why they don't... I don't know where that just suddenly disappeared because it was just something different to just playing another 30 minutes. I mean, if you're going to play another 30 minutes, have like have a, a different incentive in it where... If someone scores, that is it. Um, I think it. I think it does need to go. I think it's just a bit pointless. I just don't. You know, if you can't, if you can't see each other out in ninety minutes, why, why are we playing another thirty minutes of exactly the same game? You might as well just go straight to penalties. I think it just say, and it, you know, in terms of an injury prevention point of view, and those, if you add up all those, you know, minutes that teams play extra time and everything else in, you probably save yourself a lot of legs for matches to come, and they're. You know, mm. professional football uh, teams' fixture congestion is 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 vast enough, so I really don't know why. But then again, I think last night kind of was the supporter of extra time because I was loving having to watch another thirty minutes of that. Yeah, I think it's one of those. It depends on the game, doesn't it? Like if it's been a shit game, you don't really want to watch another thirty minutes of it. I do think that yeah, there'll be points where there are exciting extra times in games, but. Ultimately, mate, I think as you for reasons you've mentioned, mate, if you've just watched 90 minutes of something or 180 minutes of something, given the two legs, why do we need to see another 30? Just go straight to the penalties. It's a lot easier. Um, it's a bit more exciting, I think. And again, it saves the legs and it saves the kind of fixture congestion as well in terms of that, just having to play an extra 30 minutes. So, yeah, I do think the extra time should go. Um, definitely. Okay, mate, moving on. Is Declan Rice really worth more than 100 million? Uh, I don't know if you know about this, mate. Basically, Moyes' comments in the last week or so saying that right, they wouldn't accept a bid of 100 million for, um, for Rice because he's worth more than that. I mean, what, what, what do you think about that? <laughs> mate, Dave Moyes is out of, his, out of his mind if he thinks that Declan Rice is worth 100 million pounds. I think that is absolutely. Mate, Declan Rice is probably worth the same amount as a bag of rice, in my opinion. He it's a hundred million pounds for Declan Rice. He's good it's though, but a, he's not a hundred million pounds. Oh come on, hundred million pounds. I mean, no, that, no chance. If that is just a club, that is a classic example of a of a small club. That well, West Ham aren't a small club, all right? Let's not be let's not be too harsh. But in terms of a smaller financial club, financial pulling power, just using and abusing the system. They know that people want him, so they'll just overinflate the price massively so they get yeah. a lot of money. They, they do you, know do full you, well he's Do you rate him as a player though? Do you think he's good? Oh yeah, I rate him as a player. I think yeah. he could be a really big player to come. Uh but the thing is it's hard to value players at the moment because the market is just mad. I, I don't think like, you know, even you know, people say like Maguire, like Maguire as, you know, United captain. I mean he's not worth his price tag. Um there's so many players that have been overpriced since it's all it all started about three four years ago where prices just went through the roof for players and I don't know why um but I just know that mate that is laughable if he thinks he's worth 100 million yeah no definitely not worth 100 million at all but I think he probably might have just been saying that to kind of fend people off but yeah 100% nowhere nowhere near worth that money he hasn't. He hasn't really proven. He's had a good season, but it, oh, come on, is he? Yeah, no, no. Again, yeah, this is just. Mate, an I, 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 I totally agree, mate. But he's a player that I wouldn't say no to at Chelsea. But I just think he's too much money, really. Um, 
This is an interesting one, mate. Should, obviously, with David De Gea out of the side at the moment, obviously he's um, been in Spain with uh, the birth of his, his child. Should Dean Henderson be given a run as United's number one until the end of the season? Mate, I, I, I'm going to predict something else now. I think this is a change of guard. I think next season, or maybe it will take a change of manager when you know when they sack Oli, because I think they're going to they're going to bloody have to at some point. I think I think he is the next he is the next keeper for Manchester United. I I, I think De Gea is few- yeah. But do you, do you think he should be given a run until the end of the season? Now, obviously, he's played the last couple of games. Do you think he should stay in for the rest of the season? I think he deserves it just because of the the performances. I mean, he pretty much he saved them the point at Palace with that save right at the end. Yeah, um, and they and they they cut to clean sheet against Manchester City, mate, and beat them. So yeah, and what, also, how you- I do think like if they're gonna if they're gonna find out if he's good enough to be the number one, something like this to get him in the side is probably. Is gonna is gonna be the only way they're gonna find out. They kind of got the reason to get him in the side. Didn't have to face all the questions of dropping De Gea because he went for for personal reasons. And you sort of think, well, he should really be given a chance then to find out if he actually is good enough. So I think he probably should stay until the end of the season. Whether he will or not is going to be tough to tell. But it's the only way yeah. they're going to find out if he's good enough to be the number one because he needs a run of games think- to, to show it. I don't think Oli will have the the bollocks to do it because if it goes no, wrong, no, I don't think he's. I don't think he's got the bollocks either. I think as soon as it's time, De Gea will be, will be back in, and he'll and he'll try and move the decision until the summer. But I do think he should just be looked at to the end of the season. Um, okay, mate. Last one. Given recent run of form, is it safe to say Chelsea made the right decision getting rid of Frank? I know exactly who sent this question in, so thank you for this one, Mr. Fairchild. Uh, he'll be looking forward <laughs> to asking this. And you know my answer to this. My answer is no. I don't. I I still think the sacking of Frank Lampard was the wrong decision. Um, and I'll you know my for people who don't know, but with obviously the private conversations we're having, the reasons for that is, I think we hired a manager that we knew was inexperienced. Um, we promised him time, and the first blip we got, he didn't get the time. So I think it was incredibly harsh. And if you look at the other managers that are in similar positions to him. I'm labelling Arteta and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, particularly with the money he spent. I think it is incredibly harsh that he, after literally a blip of, what, six to eight games, he was literally not even given the chance to put it right. And listen, Tuchel's a more experienced manager and we've been playing very well. But does that mean that we have to sacrifice the longevity of trying to start a project with a manager that we... You know, we could have gone down the tutorial route to start with. We could have gone for someone else that was more experienced um, and decided not to. Um, so I think Frank should still be in a job, uh, still be Chelsea manager. But obviously, I'm happy as a Chelsea fan that we're winning games. And, and ideally, I know that you included would would have loved to have seen this these results with Frank Lampard in charge, no doubt. But I, I, I still think it's the wrong decision um, because I didn't yeah, particularly... No. Personal view. Yeah, no, that's fair, mate. Um, look, I think only time will tell. Obviously, currently, yeah, it's looking like the right decision. And if we go on to finish in the top four and maybe win the FA Cup as well, then you'd have to say it was fully justified. I just think, for, for me personally, obviously, like majority of Chelsea fans, really wanted, wanted it to work out. But I just couldn't see where the form was going to change. And I can't see how, you know, we would have achieved these results with Frank in charge, which is a shame to say that, but... 
you know, it, it, that, that's just my opinion the way it is. And, you know, I'm really happy we're winning matches again and, and, and long may it continue. But yeah, no, look, obviously wanting to do well, but I think in terms of being justified, I think we need to wait till the end of the season really to, to have a say on that. And uh, yeah, mate, that brings the questions to an end. So anything you want to wrap up with? Well, I've got a question for you, mate. Being our being our 30th episode, I wanted to mm-hmm. um, ask, have you got a particular guest or a particular episode that's that's your favourite and the reasons why, if you can cast your mind back that far? Oh, God. Um, let's have a think. Do you know what, mate? A favourite episode, and it's really not for the right reasons, but I actually really enjoyed the, the episode on... Uh, on Lampard, the like obviously the, the 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 reaction after the sacking, and that to date has been our most downloaded and most listened to episode. So that was probably that was probably my favourite episode in terms of like the discussion, and obviously it's the, the uh, in terms of the the stats and that that's the best episode we've uh, we've done performance wise. Yeah, fair enough, mate. I've I've personally I've I've loved it. I think um, you know from uh, it's certainly got more interesting, and we've we've certainly grown as, as a podcast and that you're right that was our because i think it's because we did it we did a bit of a it was a bit longer um i can't did we have a guest for that one yeah we did mate. we had james on for that one as well yeah so i think having the guest on obviously i am desperate to get the the guest back i appreciate to everyone listening now that this has been two or three on the trot now where we haven't but we, we we've had a few in the pipeline that just have been we haven't managed no, I've to, got, to I've, got one, I've got one for next week mate Oh, there you go then. So that's a bit of breaking news for everyone else. And I, I have uh, one that I'm trying to get hold of that would uh, definitely be a, a special addition to the podcast, but um, it's taking some some work behind the scenes anyway to get that going. But yeah, in terms of best ones for me, I think I enjoyed the the, the Dave one um, when Dave Atkinson came on, mainly just for the of, uh, you know the banter. I think he he brings that that level that we miss, obviously, when we had in our school days. So it was just good to reminisce on, on that sense. Um, Having uh, Ollie on as well was was really good just to get Chelsea points of view. But I think all the guests all the, all the guests have been great and um, onwards and upwards, mate. I hope we can get some serious serious guests on in the in the years and uh, weeks to come. But episode thirty is is done and dusted. So thank you to everyone who's listened today um, and everyone who's downloaded up until this point on episode thirty. It's been a, a, an awesome journey. And um, please keep liking, sharing the contents on our Instagram page. We're going to keep growing. Um, as the weeks progress, as the months progress, desperate to try and get a Twitter account set up. But obviously, with just the two of us and, and being in work as well, it is difficult. But we will get there. And we, like we said always, we do it for fun. We don't do it for anything else. So slow and steady wins the race. And um, thank you for all your support, really, from from me. I don't know if Charlie wants to add anything else. No, just a big thank you, guys. You know, 30 episodes in now. Um, it's been a great journey so far. And the journey is going to continue. So we're looking forward to that. As always, you know, leave a review, share it with your mates, tag us in your stories when you're listening, etc. And uh, yeah, let's just keep going, mate. So yeah, I think that's a wrap on episode 30. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that one, mate. <laughs>